live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman and Kurt Crosby live on your radio. This is the broadcast for February the 10th of the year of our Lord, 2020. The goal to protect life, liberty, and property. The goal to promote God, family, and country. The goal to stand for the sacred cause of liberty. The goal to tell the tale of freedom. The goal to circumvent the mainstream press. we got a lot of goals on the radio, folks. Hour 2 of 2, hard-hitting talk at your fingertips. Dr. Scott Bradley's in the house with us this hour. Welcome, sir. Thank you very much. As usual, it's nice to start the week with a little conversation with friends. Amen to that. All right. Um, by the way, Scott Bradley's website, freedomsrisingsun.com. Check it out. Great stuff. Webinars throughout the week, constitutional Q&As and more. His incredible collegiate series to preserve the nation. Available. Check it all out. Freedomsrisingsun.com. All right. Rush returns. This is a good news piece. They say Limbaugh back on air after cancer diagnosis, Western Journal uh, with the piece. And uh, I say it's good news, not because I really like um, Rush's brand of radio. I believe he's a water boy for the Republican Party. He had blatantly admitted that himself. Uh, and so, you know, I don't, I don't really like his brand of radio exactly. When he was young and when he started out back in 1988 and 90 and that, I liked what he did. But he has kind of gone socialist and south since. Uh, nevertheless, I don't wish any ill on anybody. And I'm grateful that he's feeling better. I'm grateful that he can come back on the air. He has every right to his views as well. But here's the good part. Limbaugh added, and this is probably the main reason the, the, you know, the standard press won't tell you the details. Limbaugh added that he's, quote, relying on his faith in God to carry him through the challenges ahead. Uh, you know what? Pretty humble admission for Rush. I think things are changing for him, Scott. Well, indeed, I, everything you've said is, is uh, reflects a lot of my feelings on this whole thing. I, of course, uh, his diagnosis does not bode, bode well for him. There are some of the individuals I've talked to, you know, they talk about the five percent chance of survival for five years, but others have said the chance of a one-year survival is almost nil, also. And well, and especially when you use your lungs for three hours a day for talk radio. So I don't mean to be offensive. I'm just saying that it's that it's catapulted into the stratosphere with a job like that. Well, indeed, but maybe his lungs are getting exercise that they need. But the fact of the matter is, um, is uh, what he's been diagnosed as having. Uh, advanced stage of lung cancer is is a pretty challenging thing, and I don't know the you know details of it or anything like that. But but truly, uh, I I wish him well, and I hope that uh, that his faith in God sustains him. I I believe that sometimes when we really get in a, in a hard scrape, uh, sometimes everything else might melts away. I mean, all money, fame, power. You know, uh, whatever anybody seems to have hung their hat on in the past, I'm not saying that's been his, you know, what's driven him in the past, but I'm, I am thinking that uh, sometimes the really important things come to the surface and, and the other things strip away, fall away, disappear, whatever. Uh, when and we hope that's down. true, and we hope that he translates that journey uh, of turning to God, of transparency, of everything stripping away to his audience, and hopefully it will change lives for them as well. Kurt, you want to come in on this? Uh, I'm just saying I'm, I'm grateful that he's back on the air, sir. 
Well, I heard part of it um, on Friday, uh, you know, his uh, so-called return. I, I appreciated the uh, explanation of how the, you know, the medal that he got from the president, um, you know, came about and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. I just, I just like first-hand reports and, uh, you know, the truth is kind of, a little more interesting than than those uh well made up stories in my opinion um i appreciated that uh he talked about his wife we're not being making up there. stories um, things out here, on here we're trying to no i didn't mean them. you were i'm just saying what normal you know either they uh they will tell you that uh rush limbaugh is the uh most evil guy in america or something like that uh some of these hollywood types you know and yet i'm pretty sure that they rarely, if any time, ever listen to him, uh, but they get told what he uh, says or what he's like, you know, by somebody else. And that's typically what happens. I've got a neighbor or two, you know, kind of like that, that think I'm the uh, the worst guy in the world just because I've got to make America great again hat or whatever. And it's just sad to see uh, that, that that happens. Um, you know, and and is we're so I guess you could say controlled or uh, affected by the uh, choices we make when it comes to the media. It seems like. Amen to that. And again, I would be saying this if it was Hillary or Bill Clinton or Barack Obama or anybody else. You know, I wouldn't wish for their demise or wish for their pain or suffering. And anybody who's going to basically uh, struggle with these things, our prayers are with them for their health, whether we agree or disagree politically with them. Uh, and I'm grateful they're turning to God. That's that's kind of my whole take on this thing is, you know what? I, I know that Rush hasn't really hit near as hard in the media as I wish he would and everything else. But you know what? I, I think he's a good person. I think he's had a lot of turmoil in his life. I mean, four marriages and got hooked on drugs and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm grateful for him to come back from all that kind of stuff and still believe in and turn to God. You know, that's that's a story that ought to be told in a good way, Scott. Well, I agree. And, uh, yeah, amen. We, uh, we wish everyone well. And, in fact, uh, I hope that, you know, whatever this brings him, I hope it elevates his uh, you know perspective on all the things that really matter. And perhaps we could all use that. I like to try and learn lessons from others. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of hard to learn them all yourself. And, and if you can look to others and say, whoa, yeah, oh, okay, time to refocus. And maybe we could all do a little more of that. Well, and that's why I bring it up is he's got a large audience. There's no doubt about that. And hopefully he can take them a little bit on his journey. And hopefully we can have a resurgence of God in America and a, and a focus on how we can change our lives and repent and uh, how we can turn to God and start to believe in miracles again and focus on things that make, you know, people and families great again. And, you know, I hope that's the journey that, that what culminates from this. Is that the right word? Sure. I hope we're all on the same journey of, you know, finding our way back to God. I mean, and I hope that uh, it happens as quickly as we can in terms of our attitude adjustment. <laughs> but that's probably why the liberals that Kurt's talking about have a problem with Rush is because he blatantly said, I'm relying on my faith in God to carry me through the challenges ahead. Now, I don't know if you're allowed to say that kind of stuff these days without attack, right, Scott? <laughs> Well, there seems to be always someone willing to to come to the defense of the agnostic and the atheist. And, uh, you know, it's uh, A. A. Hodge, uh, a theologian from the 1800s, talked about those that believe the most give way to those that believe the least, who in turn give way to those that believe nothing at all. 
And that seems to be the trajectory that is often promoted publicly in, uh, you know, through the major media sources and certainly in the education system. And uh, America has uh, diminished its religiosity from what it was, you know, 230, 40, 50 years ago. Um, and certainly even in my lifetime, we've diminished our religiosity. But, of course, the Supreme Court uh, banned God, the source of all knowledge, from school. And I guess that kind of tells us why we're in the bucket of hurt the world. Well, our prayers anyway. are we can turn that around, too, ladies and gentlemen. Indeed. All right. Um, there is a interesting twist. Donald Trump just put out a $4.8 trillion budget. They say it's likely to get a thumbs down from Congress. Uh, IJR gave me the news on this. And I look at this and I go, $4.8 trillion. I don't even know what $4.8 trillion is, Scott. And people do all kinds of things to help me. They'll put videos together where you see warehouses with bills stacked to the rafters, you know, as far as the eye can see. Uh, you know, Kurt will come and tell me it's, what did you say, Kurt, a, a trillion is? It's a thousand billion or whatever. And, you know, people will try to get my arms around that stuff. And I know uh, their attempts, maybe I'm just not very intelligent, but no matter what, how they portray it, I can't understand it, sir. You know, I don't know what a four point eight trillion dollar number is. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's too it's big. A, it's a big dollar sign and uh, pretty serious money. But but here's kind of a way to look at it. Um, we have approximately uh, three point five trillion dollar total, 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 all sources of revenue for the United States. Now the reports I've seen on this four point eight trillion budget say something like an almost trillion dollar budget uh, deficit is what's projected. No, 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 no. If our real total, total, total revenue stream, and we don't know exactly what it's going to be this year, but but uh, in 2018, for example, it was three point three trillion. So it can't have grown that that huge. And so let's let's say it's gone up a couple of dot two trillion. So it's three point five trillion right now, and we're going to have a four point eight trillion dollar budget. That is uh, another huge deficit to add our, to our already burgeoning budget of over twenty three trillion admitted. But here's the deal: um, this uh, th there's some good news in it. There's major reductions in foreign aid and environmental protection stuff, and. And there's uh, stringent work requirements on welfare programs like food stamps and housing assistance. But the fact of the matter is we're growing our defense spending. Uh, I mean, the, the part that's in uh, Trump's budget right now is, I think, uh, almost three-quarters of a trillion dollars um, in the uh, defense. And you say, oh, we've got to defend the nation. That's, that is a constitutional responsibility of the nation. However... A lot of it's being squandered in foreign wars. A lot of it. I mean, we're wearing out our people. We're wearing out our equipment. We're expending uh, stuff. I mean, you have operational failures. I mean, if you're flying a jet and and it goes thud, that was an expenditure in spite of the fact it didn't deliver ordinance against um, anybody. And so, so what's happening is our defense spending is rising, and it would not have to rise nearly as fast if we weren't engaged all over the world in unconstitutional wars. I guess we can talk more after this, the break. It sounds like we got to take already. Man, time flies. And we'll take a quick pause. We're talking to Dr. Scott Bradley on your radio.
Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way. But actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. So you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on 24-7 with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Talk Right, the conservative app offered by TalkStream Live that caters exclusively to the conservative talk radio community. Here you'll see only talk shows and podcasts from the conservative right, all the big broadcast names and online digital shows in one place. Talk Right makes it easy to find all your favorite conservative talkers with all the upscale features you come to expect from TalkStream Live. Keep up with the fast-paced political world. Download Talk Right today from Google Play or the App Store. All right, now I want to talk about this $4.8 trillion budget a little more with Dr. Scott Bradley, though. So, you know, as far as I understand, though, I don't even know what $4.8 trillion is. And I get that you're saying, hey, there's a, you know, one point whatever, three deficit, $1.3 trillion, you know, where's it going to come from discussion. But if you look at constitutional currency and gold and silver, there's not even $4.8 trillion available in real money. Scott? Well, you know, there may be in the earth. I mean, I'm certainly, I'm pretty confident in the earth there is, but in our hand, we certainly... Well, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. God God can make sure that there's there's plenty of money for whatever we need. And I'm just talking about available to us, known, extracted gold and silver. Resources. There's not even close to that, right? Well, you're right. And, and you know, where they, the, the, what they extract most of this from is payroll taxes and individual income tax. So the vast majority of it comes out of our Social Security and Medicare and all those kind of things, payroll taxes, and our individual income tax. So they're absolutely extracting the maximum level they can out of individual back pockets, if you will. And they're still, my projection would be a $1.3 trillion deficit if this went through. Again, there's a lot of adjustments that will happen in between in the actual expenditures but our actual revenue stream must be reviewed. All right, the total and, gold ever mined to date totaled seven point five trillion dollars. Well, that's in the whole world. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's my point. So, that's right. I mean, you know, it's like all the Spanish galleons and everything else like that. We're talking all throughout history. Is that's the best projection they have? And you know, it's we are absolute fools to think that we can do this. And by the way. If you look at the mandatory expenditures, about 61% 
of of our budgets, and I don't know how this will end up this year, but but you can you're required to spend about sixty one percent of it before you even start looking at anything discretionary, and and you look at it, our interest, uh, uh, for example, on what we're owing right now on our twenty three plus trillion dollars that we owe right now, you know, if interest rates climb. That comes right out of everything else that's in the revenue stream because the Federal Reserve, again, and I know this is one of your favorite topics, Sam and Kurt, is that the Federal Reserve that's a private, for-profit banking consortium, that they create money out of thin air and loan it to the United States at full value, which we then owe, supposedly, and charge us interest on it. Well, the interest alone is going to be, you know, approaching probably oh, I don't know, a half a trillion dollars this year? I mean, it's going to be as unbelievable that it's going to be. So so interest alone, this is something that you're, you're not getting any, you're not getting boots on the ground, you're not getting a chicken in every pot, you're not getting better highways. There's nothing coming out of that except for lining the pockets of the Federal Reserve private banking consortium that's unconstitutional to the core and we continue to foster that. I mean, don't get me started, Sam. <laughs> Kurt, you want to respond? Well, it's a boatload of stuff to respond to, Sam. Uh, you know, um, when you um, look at uh, making America great again, as I've said before, um, you could sure start on top of your list. It, it's kind of tough to say what needs to be exactly there uh you know the defense of the unborn um, you know and that kind of thing protection of life but uh, when you talk about uh, the little phrase in article 1 section 10 of the constitution that says no state shall make anything but gold and silver coin a tender and payment of debts is it's a simple phrase it's easy to understand and uh, it should be something that, um, you know, these so-called constitutional experts like Pelosi should be able to figure out and uh, put in place. You know, it's interesting, guys. It, before we got the Federal Reserve, I mean, if you look at the real inflation rate, so-called, you know, inflation's a, an, an addition of money to the economy, basically, and we could talk at length about that. But, but there have been little blips from, you know, like 1790 and until... Uh, 1900, little blips of inflation, like, for example, when California or, or, or uh, Nevada brought a little more extra real money into the economy. Uh, you know, and by the way, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 5, coining the power of Congress to coin money means stamp metal. You look it up. Okay. But at any rate, in those days, there was almost zero inflation uh, for, for a couple hundred year period, almost. And and the reason for that is because there was real money in the economy. And when somebody got it, they had to go dig it out and work it and refine it and all that kind of stuff. But since the um, Federal Reserve has been created, the, the dollar has lost about 98% of its purchasing power by this inflationary process of injecting money by fiat. Just wave a magic wand and money's there. And, and, and 98% of the U.S. purchasing power of the dollar, the old saying it's, you know, sound as a dollar. Yeah, sound as a dollar now means about uh, zero. And uh, you say, oh, it's backed by the full faith and credit of the federal government. Really? That makes me feel pretty warm and fuzzy inside. We are in a world of hurt because we've got false positions and philosophies that have violated the premise 
of everything the Americans started. We could talk at length about the founders' position on paper money, fiat money, and how it always fails, and how it had to be soundly founded on real money. And uh, so, yeah, we this budget is only kind of, you know, it ought to raise red flags everywhere, but, but nobody's thinking some of these fundamental thoughts, I don't think. Well, and the problem is, uh, for me, I don't know how long we can continue um, with this kind of stuff. M- meaning, you know, how long will this, how long will we be able to just continue to do this? Well, think about for a minute, and, and uh, I don't know, maybe people don't really think of history anymore so much, but, but you know, there was a time in Holland where everybody started speculating on um, tulip bulbs. I mean, whatever drove, what madness drove that? It's almost as amazing as the universal madness that seems to possess our nation at this time, but, but uh, people were putting big bucks in stupid tulip bulbs, and it's like, what are they thinking? Well, finally, it came to the point that everybody woke up. So, what, 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 what is this? And, and, and fortunes have been invested in the uh, handful of tulip bulbs, and um, the families lost their entire, you know, <laughs> standing from centuries of of uh, putting away funds uh, frugally. Everything was lost, and it's like, but it was a pretty isolated thing in Holland. But that kind of stuff always happens, and and we could. Give statement after statement of the American founding fathers. Jefferson called paper money Daedalian wings. You know, Daedalian was from Daedalus, the guy that flew too close to the sun and, and they melted and it fell. He fell. It happened. I mean, these uh, kind of euphemistic referrals to things of mythology that people never think about today. The, it's it's a myth to think that this can continue. Now, how long it'll continue, I'm, I'm not going to attempt a, pre- a projection, but but it seems to me like we're, our luck is running pretty thin, and America needs to wake up, and, and I don't think there's anybody. Well, maybe Rand Paul is or something, if he's close to his, his dad's uh, philosophies. Maybe there's still a few people out there that are trying to say, okay, okay, we've got to do a review of this false philosophy that we've based for more than 100 years, our entire American economy. And uh, it it ought to happen pretty soon. And I I think that there will be, if there is an adjustment, it'll be a a pretty painful time. And I look back at when Andy Jackson uh, vetoed the the reauthorization bill for that Federal Reserve that they had in their day. And Nicholas Biddle, who was the Federal Fed chairman of of that day, threw a big, you know, economic temper tantrum. The United States had a ripple of economic, uh, you know, challenges go through it. But it, we got over it, and once the ripples settled down, uh, we dusted ourselves up, stood up, and, and started going forward again. The economy was, was restored to a sound foundation, but the Federal Reserve in the 1830s had to be stopped, and it's not going to be done without pain. It will not be. We have that example. Do you think it no, can be stopped without war, Scott? Well, it was back in Andy Jackson's time. Yeah, but that's that's because we stopped it before it really, you know, grew legs or wings or whatever term you want to say. Now we've had it in place for well over a hundred years, and I don't know that we could stop it without war. I wish we could. I pray we can, but I don't know. Well, I don't either. But I'll tell you, it's metastasized to the point that the uh, tentacles of this thing uh, into the uh, World Trade Organization and the World Bank and 
all of these kinds of things. I mean, we really are on a death spiral on global government with this thing. And and the Federal Reserve, unfortunately, has been injecting trillions of dollars into the world economy, unbeknownst to the United States. I mean, most Americans are going, huh? Where am I? And and Mr. Trump, for example, didn't he say in his in his uh, State of the Union address, look at how uh, since I've come into office, the the uh, stock market's gone up seventy percent, and it, our economy's grown twelve trillion dollars. Do you know why that is? It's because people have been putting funny money into this thing by the boatload, not just by shovels. The real economy has not grown. It's a other oh, net is not so bad. All right, hang tight, Sam Scott and Kurt on your radio. <laughs> Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. President Trump will campaign in Manchester, New Hampshire tonight, ahead of tomorrow's presidential primary, the first in the nation primary balloting. His first appearance in that state will be tonight at a rally. He lost New Hampshire to Hillary Clinton by 2,700 votes in 2016. Before the president heads to New Hampshire later today, he will unveil his spending blueprint, which reportedly includes big cuts to foreign aid and social safety net programs like food stamps and housing assistance and Medicaid, while it increases the budget for the military. The Korean drama Parasite, the big winner at the Academy Awards, taking home four Oscars, including Best Picture and Best Director. Here's Bong Joon-ho accepting that award. I'm ready, ready to drink tonight (laughs) and this is usa radio news if you're thinking about life insurance from low-cost term to business or estate coverage or perhaps a small policy to cover your final expenses why spend more than you have to hi i'm john david wells from the wells report since 1986 accuquote has helped hundreds of thousands of folks save a fortune on their life insurance by quickly comparing the rates features and financial strength of dozens of top-rated life insurance products right over the phone want some examples a healthy 50-year-old non-smoker can buy a half million dollar 10-year level term policy for less than 40 25 bucks a month. Oh, you say you're 60? No problem. Under 120 bucks a month. 20 or 30 year terms. Even permanent plans are available. Okay, so you might have some health problems, huh? Lots of us do, but the experts at AccuQuote will still work with you to find the best affordable policy. To find out how much you can save, call AccuQuote today. 877-439-8830. That's 877-439-8830. 877-439-8830. AccuQuote. Call them today. Rates, policy forms, and availability vary by state. Tomorrow's the New Hampshire primaries, and Pete Buttigieg is up at the top of the stack in most polls, along with Bernie Sanders, who accused Buttigieg of taking money from big money donors. Buttigieg replies here. I welcome that support, no matter how they voted in the past, no matter if they've got a lot of money or not. uh, I want their help because, let me tell you, Donald Trump and his allies right now, are doing everything they can to hold on to power. They just raised 25 million bucks in a day. 
Buttigieg was speaking on CBS's Face the Nation. They're looking into the cause of death of a Navy midshipman after he took a physical readiness exam at the United States Naval Academy. He's identified as 21-year-old Duke Carrillo of Flower Mound, Texas. Official reports say he was running the one-and-a-half-mile portion of the Navy's physical readiness test when yesterday he collapsed and later died at a nearby hospital. And this is USA Radio News. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. All right. Just as important as the honest money reality check, ladies and gentlemen, we've been focusing on is the pro-life reality. we got to focus on life, ladies and gentlemen. If we can't protect the most innocent among us, who can we protect? Got to give a big shout out to the Donald. President Trump did a great job at the State of the Union address, doubling down supporting life. And President Trump now doubles down on life and pro-life commitment. But he warns, you better get out and vote, Scott. Well, yeah, and I, I, I agree. Uh, we need to vote. Part of the problem is, as you look at what's in Iowa and, and the, the Democrats that were there, they had, <laughs> they had a slate of people to vote for. And I can't tell you how many people have talked to me about, well, who are you going to vote for? And I say, well, there's nobody on the slate that I could vote for. And they, oh, come on, you've got to vote for somebody. No, I really don't need to vote for somebody. We have very animated discussions. It's like we've got to eat the smorgasbord of trash that we're being served. And so what needs to happen is, yes, we do need to vote, but we've got to vote with principle. And, And if there are people that are principled, I pray to God that they'll come out of the woodwork because uh, voting um, for the best of two evil ones is still evil. I mean, and, and, you, and you look at how it came out in Iowa, for example. I mean, I, I brought that up because you look at how it split. The people had nothing to choose from. And, and so they went out and they said, oh, well, uh, <laughs> this is what my selection is. It's like being at a cafeteria and seeing uh, piles of garbage there to dip into and it's like no I'm, I'm not going to this is not acceptable so yeah we've got to get out and vote but sooner or later americans have got to understand that if all we're served is trash our nutritional value is very very low and um and we are getting what we pay for when we do this uh you hear about some of the people pleading for money and how they're going to run their campaign with money i mean some people's some people are getting big, big budgets, but uh, just because uh, there are special interests that are supporting them doesn't mean that they're good people. So anyway, I yeah, get out and vote, but let's uh, let's let's find somebody that's principled and uh, and then let's do it. So, man. well, all I can tell you is I am quite impressed uh, with President Trump's double down for life. You can say, well, Sam, it's not enough. You can say whatever you want, but I'm saying, look, when have we had a president stand up for life as much as President Trump has in our lifetime? And the answer is we have not had one, not even Reagan, not even close. And that's a phrase Trump uses, but in this case, it's apropos. Look, what Donald's making the point of is, guys, I'm pro-life, and I'm doubling down for pro-life. Now, I know he didn't always used to be that way, but by their fruits shall you know them. And that's why I'm giving him credit here. He's done a lot of things for pro-life. Now he's saying, i got to get the people behind me on this pro-life effort. And this is the point I've been making for a long time, Kurt. I think President Trump is right about this. 
Well, it's such an important part. Uh, it's in the top ten. That uh, means the Ten Commandments, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Thou shalt not kill. And and when we kill the uh, most innocent or anybody among us, uh, we we get the wrath of God if we if we at least go uh, in the right direction where we're eliminating these things and we're moving towards uh, adoption and uh, protection of life. Um, at least in my opinion, uh, we're, we're starting um, where we can uh, rely on a little bit more of God's blessings. Amen. Now I commend... Go ahead, we Scott. need to preserve the youngest and lo- most vulnerable, and in fact, all of us. Let me ask you a question, though. If you're pro-life, are you just pro-life when the baby's in the womb, or are you pro-life all the time? And if we're killing our sons and our daughters, our brothers and our sisters, and our fellow man throughout the world, is that pro-life? I mean, but we've got to look at that. You can't make the pro-life distinction an unborn only. We've got to recognize that you're pro-life or you're not. And if you're for unconstitutional military adventurism that results in millions of deaths around the world, I think there's a there's kind of a glitch in our armor. We've got to be we've got to recognize the big picture of things. And uh, I, boy, I take my hat off to somebody that says, let's keep the babies before they're born. Let's keep them safe and let's not kill them. I, I fully, completely, and totally support that idea. But I've spoken to pro-life groups that are pro-life in that way only. And they're pro-war the rest of the time. And uh, and I say, well, it's so it's okay to dismember our fellow man. And, and it is dismemberment. It's a, yes, it is. And it's because they believe the ends justify the means. They kind of believe that we've got to go to war to keep America safe, and that's where they're being deceived. Um, the only way to pe- keep people safe, the only way to have real protection is to prepare for war. In other words, make sure that we do our due diligence, work ourselves to, to prepare to defend ourselves if wickedness um, prevails and it causes a need to defend ourselves, but never to go to war unless forced to by defense necessity uh, to protect our wives, our children, our families. And in that then comes this idea that says, hey, we got to have a just cause and we've got to legitimately understand that. And we can't lead with, hey, we got to go over there and cause the war so it doesn't come here. All those are lies. So after doing all we can do, then we need to turn to God for protection. And unless we keep God's commandments and turn to God, we will not have protection from war, no matter what we do. Scott, that's a fundamental undebatable reality, whether they ignore it or, or pretend it doesn't exist or not, history proves that to be the fact. It's absolutely true, everything you said, and so this idea of just war and all that kind of stuff, but there's a deliberative process that must be followed if we are to keep the principle, and that is outlined Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11 of the United States Constitution. There must be a solemn review by those that we have chosen to be our representatives to keep their actions within the constitutional process. And by the way, we have been lied to on every occasion. I can't think of one in which there has not been some falsehood told, the weapons of mass destruction, or we've got to kill this guy or that guy or whatever, and uh, the idea of we've got to take over the Syrian oil fields, or we, they're, they're using sarin gas there, every single one of those. Well, the Tonkin Gulf um, incident, you know, the, <laughs> we, everything that's been fostered has been a false flag kind of thing that the United States 
the public. We beat the wardrobes. The, remember the Maine. I mean, uh, the Lusitania thing that was used to, to, to attempt to bring us into World War One. Every time we turn around, there is somebody that figures they can they can get our dander up to the point that we go and we we march off to war and kill millions of people and hundreds of thousands of our own people, and 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 so there must be a an honesty that comes to the hearts of the people, a willingness to follow God's plan. And I believe that the United States Constitution, and sort of the Founding Fathers, by the way, I can give you numerous, numerous examples of their position on how God brought this about under uh, an inspiration that, that came to the hearts of those that did this. And and, and America will continue to, to not be pro-life, either on pre-born babies or in the world of war, if we don't return to those foundational principles. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I get we got a long road to hoe to defend America, and I reject war. I stand for peace. I am truly pro-life in the very sense of the word, and I pray we the people can be more so that way as well. All right, there's a couple of things about Donald Trump in addition to the pro-life reality that don't get enough coverage that you probably haven't learned about, but you need to. Kurt, Donald Trump apologizes in the Rose Garden. Let's talk about it, because I don't even know if anybody knows he did that. Well, it's a great point, Sam, and uh, it's, uh, at least in my opinion, it's a an important one. Uh, Bob Edelman uh, writes this piece. Uh, it's uh, just last weekend. Uh, says during his victory celebrations following the Senate's vote to acquit him of wrongdoing, President Trump apologized. First, for his own shortcomings. Second, to the American people, and finally to his family. These apologies revealed a side of the president the mainstream media rarely presents. Uh, near the end of his remarks at the prayer breakfast at the Washington Hilton Trump said I'm sorry I apologize I'm trying to learn it's not easy when they impeach you for nothing and then you're supposed to like them it's not easy folks I do my best um, and this article goes on it says this is where the president presently is on his journey of faith he's referring to jesus's demand in his sermon on the mount recorded recorded in matthew chapter 5 where the savior said you have heard what it was said that it was said love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Jesus didn't say it would be easy, just that it should be done. Later that same day in the Rose Garden, Trump apologized to the American people. Quote, I want to say again to the American people how profoundly sorry I am for what I said and did to trigger these events and the great burden they have imposed on the Congress and the American people. End quote. Now, he anyway, apologized to three groups of people. And I want to make this point uh, that was in the article. These apologies reveal a side of the president that the mainstream rarely, if ever, even lets you know about. Let's talk about those three apologies in seconds. Do we reflect about our future and where we as a culture are moving? Do we keep our trust in our jobs, homes, money, life necessities, investments, stock markets? Do we believe that our 401ks or other retirements will always be there and that the current economic order will recover? 
Is the economy going to recover and life return to normal? It ain't gonna happen by a friend of Medjugorje. Whether you are poor, middle class, or rich, it ain't gonna happen. A book of astounding revelations about the present economic order and where we are heading. It ain't gonna happen by a friend of Medjugorje. To order, visit medj.com, spelled M-E-J.com, or call Caritas in the U.S. 205-672-2000. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. It wasn't one of these apologies in the mainstream press where it's like, I don't know, minimizing it or throwing blame in the apology. It wasn't one of those kind of a side swipe apology or whatever. In my opinion, it was a legitimate, genuine apology. President Donald Trump apologized first for his own personal shortcomings. Second to the American people, and then third to his family. That's not just a, like a, I'm sorry, it didn't work out very well. It wasn't that. It was serious. And to those three groups, it's pretty impressive. Personally, to the nation, or we, to we the people, and then to his family. That's pretty significant, in my personal opinion. Kurt? Yeah, in the uh, apology to his family, he said, I just want to thank my family for sticking through it. This was not part of the deal. I didn't know I was going to have to run again and again and again every single week, but they stuck with me. Um, the article continues, says, instead of focusing on the positives of Trump's speeches, the media focused on Trump calling out his enemies, uh, such as pointing out, anyway, and it goes on, and you've heard all those stories. Yeah, but, I, but anyway, I find that impressive, uh, and this yeah, is a sign nice. you never get to see, Scott. That's right. Well, it really does seem to be a heartfelt and, and genuine apology. I, you know, I'll remind you that after his fiasco, Bill Clinton did say, I want to say again to the American people how profoundly sorry I am. But um, uh, Donald Trump went into more depth and breadth, and I, I think Clinton's was was a facade in every way, shape, and form, including his... Well, and, and Bill Clinton's was really forced, though. You know what? When you basically convict him of literally perjuring himself and lying to the American people, that almost you're almost compelled to make an apology at that point. Donald Trump wasn't compelled to apologize at all. That's a big difference, too. No, he, he was not. And this is, this is really a wonderful thing. And, and honestly, uh, 
all of the press right after the uh, after the uh, you know the Senate voted and said there's there's nothing to see here folks go home uh, you know the press just became rabid attack dogs as they always are about well he's now he's uh, threatening he's uh, he's uh, blustering against his uh, his opponents and all this kind of stuff he's not humble he's not repentant he's not uh, penitent in any way shape or form and that was all of the news in the days following uh, the vote in the Senate. And this is this is a refreshing example of of something that uh, I think should have gone this way, and and I think that you know his family, uh, having run for office uh, a number of times myself, and I have heard my wife say oftentimes, "You have no idea what it cost our family," and she's right. The stress, the pressure, the burdens. The, uh, I mean, the criticisms that come through that the family feels the barbs every bit as much. And, you know, to me, it's, it's you know, it was like, you know, part of the, the issue of running for office meant there were going to be people shooting at you. But the family didn't sign up for that. And and I know. Yeah, and that's the big difference here is it used to be there was a little bit of decency in the discussions and decency in the running. Now they've taken off uh, all the gloves and it's kind of like um you know, attack children, attack wives, attack... I mean, it's gotten out of control. And that's why I put out my Clarion Call for Civility article like you know, four years ago now, almost. Whereas I believe, you know, hey, we've got to just stop this. Um, but anyway, the Supremes, believe it or not, give Trump a little bit of a... I don't know what you call it, a little bit of a win. Uh, we've been critical about the Supreme Court and other um, judges. Really, anything Donald does, they just flat out get belligerent, activist, psychotic, and shut Donald down. But you know what? As things go up the ladder, a little bit of vindication for the president. Kurt? Well, that's right. It's a World Net Daily piece, so you're not going to hear this hardly anywhere, uh, as far as I can tell. Um, you know, and the headline reads, as you said, Supremes give Trump border victory, spank lower courts for cosmic injunctions. U.S. judges get scolded for wide, wildly overstepping their authority. Um, and I guess the vote was five to four. Uh, the justices ordered the removal of a preliminary block on the rule. Um, Chief Justice John Roberts and the four justices in the conservative block sided with the administration. Uh, CNBC reported the rule uh, is intended to prevent the arrival of immigrants who have used or are likely to use public benefits such as Medicaid and food stamps. The decision is pending the resolution of the case. Anyway, it goes on. But the bottom line is, at least um, it seems like so many times the courts are the stumbling block for fixing so many things. Um, and maybe that's changing. Well, hopefully it's changing. And it's a huge start that we need to make sure that we double down and support and highlight because we've been very critical of the of the courts shutting down President Trump on everything. And it's time that, you know what, even the courts, the Supremes in this case, you know what, good for them, but we need more of it because I believe this is where they're actually upholding the law, not belligerent activism. Scott? 
Well, indeed, this is true. The um, In this particular case, the, the Supreme Court, number one, was, as is mentioned in the article, spanked the other courts. I mean, here we have, what what caused this was all over the country, you shop judges. The, the people that want a particular outcome shop the judges. They find one, they can take it to their court, and the judge, in some, quote-unquote, lower court, says, I am putting an, uh, an injunction against this being implemented across the entire nation. So the, this lower court bozo stops this thing across the entire nation that somebody has already shopped into their into their court, and, and the Supremes are saying, you guys got to stop doing that. You don't have any authority to do that. Of course they don't have any authority to do that. That's absolutely true. But but that is what has been the case. And when you say the courts are always ruling and stopping Trump's stuff, that they're shopped to judges in in uh, circus courts instead of circuit court. I mean, yeah, they are part of a circuit court, but but they really are judges that are that are overstepping their bounds tremendously. This particular instance goes back to fundamental things that's been in the United States forever in terms of a means test, for example, to say if people are coming into the country, they cannot become public wards. They've got to be able to stand on their own two feet. We've got to show the means of providing for ourselves. And, and what has been happening in recent decades, literally, has been, uh, come on in, we'll, all us taxpayers will support you guys. And, and uh, the, the law really says, well, you can't become, uh, you can't just come here and, and expect to feed off of the, out of the government trough. Uh, the taxpayer trough. And, and so these things, they're restoring some sanity on a, a number of different levels by this decision. And yeah, it's a good thing that it happened. It, it should have happened. Amen to that. Literally. We pray for more of it is the point, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Star Parker wrote an incredible column and she cheers a new documentary. You just got to know about folks. Kurt. That's right. The headline from World Net Daily says, uh, go see Clarence Thomas in his own words. Um, yeah, I've not even heard any place around putting that movie up. But anyway, uh, she's and by the way, uh, if you don't know who Star Parker is, is a very um impressive writer she happens to be as they would say today african-american a very impressive black woman and uh, yet you know the media just doesn't want to cover her cover her because she's uh well she's quite politically correct when i say that i mean truly correct um and uh, they say that this story captures the story of Supreme Court Associate Justice Clarence Thomas, a man of deep faith whose youthful struggles with racism caused that faith to be shaken, but who later returned to it more deeply and more resolutely because of his great character and refusal to settle for anything but truth. I mean, imagine. And imagine a documentary to highlight that. That would be interesting to see wow. for sure. When's it coming out? Where do we go? Kurt, how do we see it? Well, uh, that will be the question for you, All right, Kurt's you, supposed Sam, to dig all that up says, and deliver this for us. She so, so says, and, you know, uh, well, at least uh, she says, uh, you refused. Uh, anyway, she, bottom line says, uh, you know, you're going to have to dig it out. You're going to have to hunt it up because movies like this aren't going to find Amen. you. And I'm expecting Kurt to, to hunt it up for us and tell us where to go and who, what, and everything else. And maybe we can interview some of the folks that put the movie together, Scott. You know, it's interesting to me, and, and I, I look forward to seeing it, too, and I, I hope that it comes to a theater near my, my home. I, yes, I, sir. This, this would be shocked, but here's the deal. Clarence Thomas almost never speaks. 
He's a, he's a man that thinks. He sits there. He doesn't pontificate and bluster and, and uh, you know, speechify and all that kind of stuff in the Supreme Court. He, he has very rare statements that he makes in there. This is a real opportunity, I think. If, if this movie is, is true to what it's being billed as, is, is, and again, I haven't seen it, but it sounds like it tells the backstory on this guy and uh, I think it's probably worth us seeing because he does not have a huge um, vocal record, you might say, since he's been on the Supreme Court. And I would love to see uh, what kind of made this man what he is. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hey, man, we'll try to find that out and uh, provide more to you on it. But the point for now is Star Parker is promoting this and saying, hey, this is wonderful news that we got this documentary. We're highlighting it because we completely agree with her. And we'll try to dig up more information, folks, on this. And what's yeah, cool if you about can it is find... In his own words yeah, is the key. That's in right. In my opinion. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know... Places like Fandango.com uh, uh, on their movie overview give it a 97% rating. Um, I can't it. see any local um, you know, spots around me. I assume you're going to have to basically um, you know, watch and hunt it up uh, maybe online. Uh, well, we'll keep digging and try know, to find it for you, ladies and gentlemen. You do the same. And if you get a tip, email me at LibertyRoundTable at Gmail, and we'll follow up on it and get her done. But anyway, pretty cool stuff, and we need more of it. Find Final story at the end of the hour that's good news, too, by the way. Looks like the Department of Interior finalized a rule last Thursday expanding drilling rights in Utah two years after President Trump reduced the size of two, uh, quote, national monuments. Now, I think we should get rid of the national monuments altogether, but it's a start, and at least something's finally, finally being done, Scott. Well, this whole discussion is there's not enough time to do a whole discussion on the National Monument thing and this Antiquities Act and the Teddy Roosevelt story. And this was this was an act that, first of all, violates the Constitution. You know, the the Article One, Section Eight, Clause Seventeen, and the property ownership of the national government. I mean, this this thing has been expanded humongously. I mean, and that's probably not even a term, but. But, it, you know, even even the unconstitutional part that happened back under Teddy Roosevelt's day, it was supposed to cover a few acres, if needful, instead of millions and millions of acres, seizures of, of uh, land. And, again, the United States Constitution doesn't authorize the national government to hold that kind of land at all, period. End of discussion. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17 is very specific. Ten miles square. That's 64,000 acres, folks. That is not a lot of land. Okay, so anyway, um, it's interesting how it's developing on this, though. Amen to that. We're flat out of time, ladies and gentlemen, but a lot of good news today. I know that's rare, but Trump doubling down on the pro-life, saying we need to stand with him for pro-life. Amen to that. Rush, turning to God, uh, less land controlled by the feds uh you know a lot of good news we're talking about victory celebrations the, the the president of the united states humble enough to apologize i'm getting more impressed with the guy as time goes on i know he's got a long way to go i get it but you got to give credit where credit's due as well for sam kurt and the good dr scott bradley we declare this nation shall endure god save the republic of the united states of america